Hey guys, I'm Rhea Fry, best-selling author, business owner, wife, mother, but most of all, I'm a human. And I'm Joe Tower, entrepreneur, producer, editor, husband, son, and I am also a human. As writers, we're always digging behind the story of publishing, ego, process, to get to the deeper truth of who we are and why we're here. While we're still pursuing that mission of the Right Way podcast, we wanted a platform where we could talk about being writers as well as being human. Now we'll be spending each episode talking with real people about real shit. This is the real story. Hey, what's up, real storyers? No, I'm just kidding. We're not calling listeners that. Uh, for anybody listening, I apologize. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I am Joe, and I am solo uh, for a rare, a rare appearance without Rhea on the mic. Um, and I feel a bit nerve rattled because she's made such a She's made kind of an art, a habit and an art out of the solo episode, and I feel like I'm merely replicating that genius. So if this sounds awkward and stilted for the next 25 minutes or so, I apologize. Um, I wanted to just take uh, this episode to talk about um, some experiences my wife and family have gone through in the last month, few weeks to a month, and the insights that we've been privileged um, to get from that. I think it's insights that we thought that we'd gotten already, but perhaps the universe was like, uh, not so fast. There's more um, to learn. Uh, And for those of you that uh, maybe are not familiar, my wife was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of blood cancer back in December of 2019, 20. 2021. Uh, why do I keep saying 2019? It is 2022, but time doesn't matter. Um, she was diagnosed last December um, with uh, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Um, we've spent the last eight months um, in her in a very. Uh, she's been in a very intense chemotherapy treatment regimen, um, and we've been fighting to get her and keep her in in remission. Um, and it's a very appropriate time for a follow-up because September is Blood Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, every three minutes, someone in the U.S. is diagnosed with blood cancer, and every nine minutes, someone dies in the U.S. of blood cancer. If there's something that you think you would like to do uh, to help with the evolution of the care and the cure for blood cancers, um, lymphoma, leukemia, myeloma, uh, I would recommend um, any great national resource, uh, particularly uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, www.lls.org. I will put a link in the uh, show notes um, and, and, and see what you can do. Also, if there's any regional, uh, state, regional, or local um, cancer nonprofits, uh, see what you can do for them as well. And, or if you are someone who is, uh, touched either directly or indirectly by cancer, uh, not only, uh, are my wife and I here for you, um, uh, but there are many resources out there, uh, for you as well. Um, so please email podcast at rightwayco.com, W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O, Dot com um, and let me know. Or my wife and I have uh, our blood cancer awareness email. Uh, it's Joe and Anna Team KT at gmail.com. That's J O E A N D A N N A T E A M K T at gmail.com. 
and let us know if you're offering allyship, seeking allyship, or um, have a fundraiser, need a fundraiser, uh, or just need someone to talk to um, because you've had or experienced a recent diagnosis. And, and let us know. Um, it's also appropriate because today in particular, as I'm recording this, it's uh, World Leukemia Day, uh, which is what my wife has. Um, leukemia, uh, there are many different forms of leukemia that affects the production of, of blood cells in the bone marrow. And uh, they range from uh, very acute to very chronic. And many of the acute ones, although treatable, are very aggressive and fast acting and uh, insidious. They're all insidious. And many of the chronic ones still manage to somehow elude and evade treatment and cure. So um, it's a fight worth getting into, um, joining, because uh, like many other cancers, it, it, this is indiscriminate. Um, this affects all age levels, all classes of people, all creeds, all colors. Everyone is susceptible at any point. Um, and there is no discernible cause, evident cause. There's uh, at best a, um, a collection of factors that could contribute to the catalyst uh, of leukemia in the blood. But uh, my wife was an otherwise um, vibrant, healthy, highly active, um, physically fit um, health conscious 34 year old woman, um, who we literally woke up one day and she had all the signs and symptoms. So, uh, we also want to encourage everybody to please go to your regular doctor visits and please, if anything feels odd, go get checked out. Um, big warning signs for, for blood cancer include, um, frequent infections, uh, unexplained bruises, unexplained fevers, um, uh, swelling or soreness, uh, pain in the abdomen, bone or joints, um, shortness of breath, uh, you know, very, and any single or, or, or combination of these symptoms, um, none of them are so dismissible that you shouldn't, uh, consult a medical professional. So make sure you get yourself checked out. Um, we want to cancel blood cancer. That's the goal. Um, that is the absolute goal. Happy, uh, blood cancer awareness month to all, um, of the warriors, survivors, caregivers, and anyone touched by blood cancer out there that's listening today. Um, we thank you and we see you and we're one of you. Um, so I, uh, I will refer back to a podcast episode, I think from January that I did solo or with Rhea, where I sort of talked about, um, the shock of our initial diagnosis and, um, the, uh, um, the, the redirect of our entire lives. We had to, you know, overnight move our, our entire life, uh, where we'd settled uh, from where we'd settled in Durango, Colorado, down in the Southwest of the state up to Denver. Everything got put on pause, everything ground to a halt. Um, and you just, we just focused on, um, the singular, this, the, the singular, uh, issue of her disease, her illness and, and her treatment. Um, we, we, we very quickly transitioned into a sort of day-to-day -day fight. Her chemotherapy, um, has been 
Very intense. Uh, it's a chemotherapy that lasts up to three years. It's uh, three distinct phases, five courses, um, the, eight, the, fir the first eight to nine months of which are the most serious um, and the most critical. Um, she did so incredibly well. My, my wife is sort of a unique and uh, powerful spirit. Um, who has managed to make an ordeal easy on me as the caregiver. Um, her body did very well in dealing with the chemo. She went into remission, uh, you know, a, a, an induced stage of remission very quickly, very early. Um, and, and, and so far, uh, for, for the majority of those eight months, her, her bone marrow biopsies have been, have been clean. She's moved on to each next course uh, with very little issue. We have experienced peaks and valleys of, of side effects. Um, there have been months where she has not been able to stand up straight or get out of bed for any reason. Uh, and then there have been weeks um, at a time where she has been able to walk around the block. Um, obviously, those are days that we are um, very grateful for. Uh, I, I think it's worth noting um, only because this is it's kind of a philosophy that we tried to adopt really early on because we because this isn't shit that you process right this is shit that gets force fed to you and you choke it down uh, we knew that we had to accept and progress very early um, she got airlifted from our hospital in Durango in the middle of the night on a Sunday to Denver. And she got diagnosed the, the next day or the day after, maybe the second day formally. And, um, uh, they also, at the same time of diagnosis, they outlined the treatment protocol that, you know, was contingent on three year, that three year commitment and a, a commitment of proximity to our clinic and to the hospital. And our doctor made it very clear that there was no time to waste her, her leukemia. As I said, it's acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Acute means it's very fast acting. So these, this leukemia um, not to get bogged down by the science of it. I say that all the time, but, uh, the leukemia is, uh, caused by, um, cells that get trapped in the early stages of evolution and don't continue to develop. Um, they stay what are called blasts, which is an early stage of a, uh, of a cell, cell life. Um, they stay that way and then they multiply. And when they multiply, they just begin to take up room in the bone marrow where other critical cells like red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets are all produced uh, that our body desperately needs. It takes up all that space so there's not enough room for the other healthy cells to exist. Uh, so they kind of crowd everything out. Um, this can happen very fast. Um, we don't know how long my wife uh, from trigger to diagnosis that it, that, that the leukemia was active in her body. Um, but it can, you know, uh, there are cases of people with certain kinds of leukemia who, whose um, the composition of their bone marrow goes from 20% 
to 70% uh, cancer in five weeks. Uh, very fast acting. Chronic leukemia is quite different. As I said before, it's very kind of elusive to treatment and cure. Some of them are, but uh, it's it's much slower. Um, so we didn't have any time to waste, and we had to kind of make a decision and get down to business. So we had to act very fast, and we had to get the mindset in place very fast, and we had to get ready for the fight very fast. And we kind of have never been back out of the fight because every day is sort of like we get through this day, we get to tomorrow, we get through this month, we get to next month, we get through this course, we get to the next, we get through this phase, we get to the next. Um, and that's what we've done. This last month um, was a big, so we'd had, we, we'd had a very troubling summer because um, in July, uh, my wife got a horrible stomach infection. Um, people that are undergoing heavy chemo are severely immunocompromised. So infections happen. Um, they happen frequently, they happen often, and they're very severe and something that a person with a normal immune system might kind of shrug off as like, oh, that food didn't agree with me, or oh, I've got kind of a stomach ache, can mean um, serious complications, even worse for someone who's immunocompromised. So she got a, she was back in the hospital for a week and a half uh, with a severe stomach infection, um, very critical. She was severely dehydrated. Um, it was a brutal, brutal period of time. And we came out of that. We entered her last course of chemo before the third phase. The third phase of her chemo protocol is called maintenance. And that's largely where the hope is she'll get to kind of live again. Um, it's a little bit less intense. It's much longer. It's a year and a half, but uh, it's a little bit less intense. And it does allow the patient to sort of get back to to normal in a, in, in a way. Um, the last week of that course, which was just this, the beginning of August, um, she had one, we had a, an odd Monday where she wasn't feeling very well. And it turned out that she had some low hemoglobin, uh, which happens often with this chemo and this cancer. Uh, she gets low blood counts and she has to go in for an infusion. So she has to get a dose of blood or she has to get a dose of, platelets or she has to get a dose of fibrinogen. Um, she needed hemoglobin. It was a Monday and, and, and she got it and it was fine. We got an email uh, from our nurse coordinator saying that her doctor wanted her to come back in on Thursday because she needed blood uh, just to get another set of labs. Um, the following Monday, she was supposed to begin this maintenance phase. So on that Thursday, we went in for this routine labs, quote unquote, but they'd asked me to be there also. And her doc, our doctor came, Anna's doctor came in to the room and we both, the fact that we were both asked to be there, that I was asked to be there and that it was sort of an odd um, masked as sort of a routine uh, visit, but didn't seem like one. We sort of knew something was amiss. And the doctor told us that on a her last bone marrow biopsy, which had been taken August 12th, um, there was a presentation of, um, of a percentage of blast cells, uh, as I said before, that immature um, uh, stage 
of blood cell, of stem cell. It's like the next the stem cell becomes a blast. Um, they'd they'd seen a, a troubling percentage um, of a particular blast uh, that were, were of the myeloid variety, um, which indicated to him that she had another. She developed another form of acute leukemia. This one is called acute myeloid leukemia. Uh, it's really just a different kind of blast. Becomes a different kind. Uh, those kind of blasts become a different kind of cell. That kind of cancer stays that kind of blast and repopulates. Um, zombie cells. So what he postulated was happening, and he said it can happen, but it's rare. Is that in treatment? her original immature cancerous underdeveloped blood cells any that were left over in an attempt to perhaps dodge the targeted chemo that she'd undergone for 8 months for her lymphoblastic leukemia lymphoblastic leukemia put the emphasis on the wrong syllable uh the for her lymphoblastic leukemia um were able to transform to uh, leukemia of the myeloid variety um, to avoid that targeted chemo. Um, she had about, it was about 10 to 15%. Her bone marrow was about 10 to 15% myelo, uh, myeloblast, which is very not good. It's, um, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not good. Um, and he said that diagnosed her with acute my, uh, myeloid leukemia and said that she very quickly needed to go back into the hospital for a month for a 28 to 30 day um, chemo protocol to get the AML into remission, this acute myeloid leukemia, and to prep her for a bone marrow transplant. None of this news was good because AML is like a touch worse than ALL and the bone marrow transplant is always sort of, that stem cell transplant, bone marrow transplant is always sort of the seems sort of like a last resort. Um, after that is management uh, of the leukemia in a lot of ways. So this news was devastating, particularly at this at this time that we felt that we'd reached this threshold of, well, we did it. And suddenly we were right back where we started and we were even worse and we were reliving uh, her diagnosis day, and we were facing what was potentially a, a much even an even harder path forward than we were already facing, which was by no means a walk in the park. So, um, we were given a weekend to process, and again, you don't. I'm telling you, you don't process things like this. Um, we celebrated my birthday and we cuddled a lot and we hung on to each other and we cried and we um, lamented the universe and she wondered why she was being punished. Um, all the things that you do when you're faced with this kind of stuff, um, it's natural. Um, But 
You're also reminded, we were reminded, I was reminded of all the lessons that we'd sort of learned along the way. I, I, it's, it's silly to do so, but Jane Fonda just got diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and we were reading an article, an interview with her, and she said, cancer is the teacher. And we've both felt that way in large part. We could have done without this. My wife could have done without this. She does not deserve to have, no one deserves to undergo this. I don't really care who you are. It's not, there's deserve doesn't even enter into it. Fairness doesn't enter into it. It's not part of the conversation. Um, so the only way to kind of reckon with it when there's no one to argue with about why you have it is what, it, what can I learn from it? And we thought that we had learned a lot of lessons coming out of these last eight months. We thought we'd learned how we want to live. What's important. What do we value? Um, What's worth stressing out about? One of the biggest things when she got cancer uh, that we realized was we'd spent so much of our time stressing out about some day-to-day -day bullshit like her work, my work, work emails, uh, the balance of our checking account, the, you know, um, the bills we had to pay, how much money we had to make, uh, deadlines that we both had, what, what are, what's our, what's our bigger goal and all of those things. I'm not trying to eschew the importance of all of those things because there, it, all of those things have importance on some level, but when your health is threatened, when your very existence is threatened, when, what is, what, it, what is important becomes painfully clear painfully clear and what matters becomes painfully clear i i shut down so many accounts in my uh um my personal business i turned away so many clients um uh i had there was a lot of momentum that she and i both had work-wise going in to this year and it didn't matter to walk away from any of it. Um, moving out of the town we decided we wanted to live in and the home we decided to live in, um, none of that seemed hard to walk away from. We just knew that we had to be here now. Um, and over the course of the eight months, I think as things got closer to being normal again, our old behavior started to creep in. We started to worry about stuff again. Well, what are we going to do? Well, what are, you, what are we going to do for money? Where are we going to live? What, um, you know, do we want to live in Denver? Do we want to live here? And like I said, all of those are important. But then we got this diagnosis that was like, none of that matters. You're still here now. You're still going to be here. She would have done a month in chemo. She would have had another month in prep for the bone marrow transplant, which wouldn't have come potentially for a few months because there's so many moving parts to the process of, of bone marrow transplant coordination. It, it maybe would have been Christmas, Thanksgiving or Christmas before the procedure 
would have undergone. And for at least a hundred days afterwards, she would have been living in a in a in a bubble, basically. Um, because when you get a stem cell transplant or bone marrow transplant, you you your immune system gets reset. You basically become a baby again. It's very easy to get sick, get infection. So we were here now again. So we had that weekend to process after that diagnosis. That Monday, she got admitted, readmitted back into the hospital. There was a pang of familiarity. She spent almost a total of two months. Over the last eight months, she spent at least two total in the hospital. Um, she's on a first-name basis with every nurse, every nurse in the infusion center, every nurse in the hematology oncology ward. That's how often we're there uh, in the clinic. We're, we're there all the time. Um, we're in the clinic three to five days a week. Um, it's amazing how, how uncomfortable we both used to be in, in hospitals or clinics and how that none of that, we, none of that even registers anymore. Um, we went back in Monday, she got an echocardiogram. Uh, she was supposed to get a central line, but, uh, she didn't end up needing it. And uh, then she got another final bone marrow transplant or bone marrow biopsy, sorry. Another final bone marrow biopsy uh, to get confirmation for the pharmacy to put together the, 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 the chemo protocol. Our medical team came in. They gave us a full rundown of what was happening, what she would, what, what she would see, what was going to happen. Um, she was on a, a particular oral chemo that it helps to trigger the the, the, the death biology of these crazy immature zombie cells. And then there was a, a cocktail of about three of three IV chemos that she was going to get over the course of, of 28 days. And it was going to start the following day. So this was a Monday. It was going to start on Tuesday. So we waited with bated breath. Monday, Tuesday comes, nothing happens. Nurse says, you're starting chemo today. But then at the close to the, the end of the day, after rounds are done, the doctor, our doctor came into the room and he squatted at the foot of the bed. And we both cringed because we're not strangers to worst case scenarios at this point, And we can read physician's body language very well. And it seemed uncertain. And when it comes to blood cancer, that is never good. Um, but this strangely was and I'm so sorry to be like at the end of time and I'm I'm dropping this for some somehow the percentage of the immature cells the cancer cells in her bone marrow had dropped since the bone marrow biopsy from August 12th um it was less and what's more is that her bone marrow seemed to be doing a really good job of producing new blood cells in an even and healthy way. She was very sick at that point because her her blood numbers were very low, her immune system was very low, but he said that it was it was building back up. So he said he wanted to wait a day and we'll see what happens. So we waited a day and the next day came and went. She still didn't get any chemo. And at the end of the day, the attending doctor came in and he explained that they didn't know for sure because in blood cancer, you never know for sure. But it was looking, quote, increasingly likely that at the time of the initial biopsy that showed such a glaring certainty that it was acute myeloid leukemia, that it was more just because the cellular makeup of her bone marrow was so low 
from being just bombarded by eight months of chemo. And there were new cells growing, new blasts that were growing into healthy cells. That it, the process of rebuilding looked almost identical to a biopsy that would be a certain diagnosis for AML. So she got discharged. They gave her a week and she was we she she got scheduled to come back into the clinic for tests. That test was this last Wednesday and they were all good. Um her bone marrow biopsy, uh the last the most recent one, which would have been the 22nd of August, uh went under a whole other a uh, whole new uh, panel of analysis by a number of pathologists, all of who can't rule out the possibility of AML because you can't ever rule out the possibility of AML in a situation like this, but everything looked predominantly negative. And her blood numbers looked great, which have continued to grow, and she's continued to get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger each day. Um, but... And it becomes so evident and just your physical strength and your endurance and your ability to, to walk distances or, or stand or jump or talk. Um, it becomes clear how critical just that few number of cells, well, few thousand or million number of cells in your bone marrow or your blood is essential to us just being alive. And on Wednesday, she was told that she'd have two weeks more off from chemo. She'd get two more blood draws over the course of those two weeks. And then the plan is to restart her old chemo protocol at the end of the month. And we could not be happier to just be dealing with one cancer and to just be staring down the barrel of a year and a half of chemo rather than a chemo and a bone marrow transplant and a second uh, cancer diagnosis. And what we are experiencing is the same lesson all over again. Um, the other night after dinner, my wife and I went for a walk. Uh, first time we've done it eight months maybe, or maybe she had like, a, there was a, a brief window between courses where she was strong enough to do it. And it was a 20 minute walk maximum. And we weren't more than 10 minutes into it. And she put her hands in the air and she goes, she yelled, Oh my God, I love this. I feel so free. I want more and more and more of this. And the this is just being alive and out in the world. My wife has lived eight months in our apartment and a clinic. Um, she hasn't been to a grocery store. She lost all her hair, so she has no hair to brush or style. Um, she lost eyelashes, eyebrows. She lost most of her muscles. Um, so much that she took for granted before that would, she would have even considered a nuisance before. She always used to say that like, 
one of the most exhausting experiences was washing her hair. She had very long hair. And now she would give anything. She would give anything to be exhausted by washing her hair. It's, it's part of life to have degrees of appreciation. We're at a certain place and we adapt. And so what should be miraculous becomes mundane. And we seek then the miraculous. And then we reach that next, next level of miraculous. And then that miraculous becomes mundane. And the cycle keeps going on and on. Um, I mean, think no further than technology. Technology has become the bane of all our existence. But the fact that I have a small device in the palm of my hand that tells me literally everything whenever I want to know it is no less miraculous. And we don't know it. We forget it. We lose sight of it. We're human beings. We don't walk around in awed silence all the time. I had a very a great mentor who once told me that. That's true. There's too much to deal with. Life is hard. It's hot outside. There are pandemics. There's international strife and war. There's civil and social unrest. There's systemic racism. There's inequity and inequality. Um, there's a very distinct class disparity. Uh, politicians are fucking us over every chance they get. I'm sorry um, to be so vehement about it, but Jesus. So I, we get it. We all get it. That we can't sit here and be like, oh, the grass, oh, the sky, oh, the sun, all the time. But the reality is, whether we view it as mundane or miraculous, it's all miraculous. A lot of it is miraculous. Because not all of us get to do all the stuff all the time. And that's what, by and large, we all have to realize, is that everything that we do in life... is an opportunity, not a right. It's not. And my wife and I are two people. My wife in particular is a person, an unsuspecting person, who saw life itself, the opportunity of life itself, get taken off the board for her for a second. And... It, and that changes everything. That changes how we look at how we live. That changes how we look at how we see other people. That changes how we look at issues, uh, society, the makeup of things, world, the world, reality. Um, and I hope it can affect you too. Unfortunately... There are, there are no guarantees. And that in itself isn't necessary, shouldn't be viewed as a given. It should be viewed as an, as an opportunity. An opportunity to do the best with what you've got for the time that you've got it. I didn't mean for this to be like a how to live your life podcast episode. Um, 
it's just hard not to get to that place right now because we're both trying to do it. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, I know this was more just a recap of, of, of events than a conversation, um, but it's been a fucked up few weeks. And I think we're, she and I both are still in the midst of trying to catalog it and process it. I think we've definitely got it intellectually down and maybe not emotionally yet. Um, but everything feels a bit weird. Um, and maybe that's just what life is, I guess, is it's all a bit weird. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to The Real Story. Uh, email us at podcast at rightwayco.com, as I said, um, and leave your thoughts or feelings. And don't forget, wherever you subscribe, uh, to comment, rate, review. And uh, tune in next week where we will maybe get back to talking about writing and publishing, but no promises because there's a lot of crazy shit afoot in this life. Thanks for listening to Right Way Presents The Real Story. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment. And for more information on The Real Story and Right Way, visit rightwayco.com.